You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one podcast for all things communication, advertising, and marketing. I'm your host, Ted Lau, award-winning agency owner, podcaster, and family guy. Today on our show, we have Cal Sahota, president and CEO of HeroX. Cal has 25 years in the financial services sector with her last role as an executive. Since joining HeroX in 2015 as VP of Possibilities, and now the president and CEO, Cal has collaborated with Fortune 50, Fortune 500, and small, medium-sized organizations on incorporating crowdsourcing as a component of their innovation strategies. Cal was the recipient of the Top 50 Tech Visionary Award and resides in the suburbs of Vancouver, Canada. Hey, Cal, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being on our show. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So I wanted to kind of dig in. We were reading your bio earlier, 25 years in the financial services sector, yet here you are working on innovation. So tell me a little bit about your story, the passion, and how you got all involved in here. So by saying 25 years, I've already dated myself, right? Oh, man. Well, yeah, it's all good. We all do. All Eventually, good. it happens. Hey, I'm proud of every wrinkle and every gray hair. So it is definitely all Amen. good. There you go. So yeah, it's very serendipitous, actually, how I found myself in the crowdsourcing space. So as you mentioned, I come from a 25-year background in financial services and joined HeroX back in 2015. But you know, I've always been one of those people that wanted to make a difference in the world. And not just like a punchline, if you will call it, but I quite literally wanted to make a difference in the world, but I just really didn't know how to go about and make a really meaningful impact. And I would say that being at HeroX is the most closely aligned to who I am. And it's really given me that vehicle to really drive towards that impact and that positive change that I really aspire to, like literally every day. And in my humble opinion, and so many of us have so much. In fact, probably most of us have too much, way more than that we need. So how is it possible that in a world of so much abundance, that kids are still going to bed hungry? Mm-hmm. How is that possible? And you know, quite simply, that's just wrong. So let me step back and share a little bit to say that, you know, how do we define intellect? You can certainly self-profess it. However, we oftentimes get asked for our credentials or our academic achievements so we can qualify our skills and abilities and knowledge. You know, where did you go to school? How many years of experience do you have, et cetera? So I invite you to consider that when you look at the whole of the world and what I've just described is probably just a small group of people. What about all of those people in the world who don't have access to or can't afford the education? Does that make them less capable or lacking intellect? No, it doesn't. So crowdsourcing allows organizations to access, to tap into an uncredentialized global crowd. If you have connectivity, you can compete in a challenge. And if you have the best idea, you win. Period, full stop. So it removes all barriers. It doesn't matter what color, creed, religion, educational background, social status, or quite frankly, where in the world that you reside. Crowdsourcing by design creates a level of fairness. And this is where my passion lies, democratizing opportunities 
for all citizens of the world, giving them an opportunity to fish so they can in turn take care of themselves and their families. So quite simply, my personal goal is to really leave this world in a better place. That's fantastic. Now, I did a little bit of research before we did our conversation. and I noticed that there's a video about you talking about how to open a bottle of beer. (laughs) So I did not know that there are many different ways of opening said bottle of beer. And this might actually segue into crowdsourcing innovation and what HeroX does. So maybe you want to tell the audience about how you want to open a bottle of beer or how many ways there are to open a bottle of beer? That was actually probably one of the funnest challenges that we ran. I mean, other than the fact that it's a bottle opener for beer, but beyond that, it was a challenge that we hosted for Anheuser-Busch. So they were looking for a new and innovative way to basically open bottles. And they came to the platform and they basically self-helped themselves and launched a challenge. And I can tell you that they were absolutely blown away. When we talked to them after the challenge was completed, they found the results absolutely remarkable. And I'll share a little bit about how crowdsourcing works, but I'll give it away to say that the winning solution actually came from an architect from Honolulu. Mm. So when you think about where your best and most creative idea lives, when you think of human ingenuity, oftentimes it's not in the place that you expected. It's often in the places where we least expect it. That's usually where disruption and remarkable ideas come from because you remove the curse of knowledge. So when you're speaking to somebody that's been studying something for 20 years, they're going to naturally see something in the same way, in the same perspective. Somebody comes along and looks at the exact same scenario, shifts just that little bit. They're going to see something potentially that you may have missed. And that's where disruption oftentimes lives. To give the audience a little bit of background, so HeroX is an all-purpose crowdsourcing platform. And for those of you who aren't familiar with crowdsourcing, the concept is actually very simple, but it's incredibly powerful. It actually has been around for decades, but the use in everyday business is still very much gaining momentum. Most people are familiar with crowdfunding where you have an idea, but you lack the money. With crowdsourcing, it's actually flipped. So you have the money, but you're looking for a solution or a new idea. So if organizations are blocked with solving a business issue or quite simply looking for a new idea, I mean, that might be maybe you're looking for a new idea for a new product. Maybe you are wanting to source a new technology to support your business. They come onto our platform and they host a challenge. They clearly articulate what they're looking for and invite anyone to present them with an idea or a solution. The platform itself is turnkey. It gives organizations everything that they need to launch their challenge, to monitor it. All of the judging happens right on there. Everything's built right into the platform. But the overarching logic being, instead of limiting yourself to your in-house team or potentially your direct contacts or contractors, you take it to the crowd. And the crowd is defined as any of the over 3 billion people connected to the World Wide Web. So any organization can utilize our platform from enterprise to government. In fact, to your point about interesting stories, one of our busiest clients, believe it or not, is actually NASA. And I mean, how amazing is that, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, they literally have rocket scientists at their fingertips, but they still see huge value in crowdsourcing. I mean, I love the power of crowdsourcing challenges and seeing organizations like NASA share their problems out to the world and invite anybody to work on real problems. 
And these are real problems that involve real missions. It's pretty amazing to think that anyone can contribute to a solution for NASA and actually impact one of their, their missions. And, you know, really cool example of that, something that comes to mind immediately. As you may know, the manned Artemis mission is set to launch in 2024. So NASA is going back to the moon, all this noise is made about it. And so NASA approached us and they're looking for a new toilet technology. I mean, it's not glamorous, but nevertheless, there you have it. They're looking for a new toilet technology. Toilet so, technology. Oh, toilet technology. Well, yeah, actually, Chris Hadfield, the astronaut, Colonel Chris Hadfield, was a guest on our show. And I oh, got right. to read his book prior to interviewing him. And the toilet, yeah. the whole toilet environment thing is not, not pretty, not glamorous whatsoever no. when it comes to space travel. That actually is probably the number one thing that's causing me to, well, aside from me not being a rocket scientist, <laughs> ever wanting to go to space right now because the toilet situation is terrifying. Well, you know, you'd have to rethink your whole vision of being an astronaut just because of that. But maybe this technology will sway you a little bit. But <laughs> they were looking for that technology and they wanted it to be at a certain technical readiness level, just so, you know, the audience understands how it kind of works. The whole idea was to get a number of ideas to a certain level of readiness, and then they could bring it to their in-house research and development teams and just kind of continue to build out the solution. And I mean, you can go on to the platform. I mean, I can go on about any of our projects forever, but it's called the NASA Lunar Loo Challenge. And the name was something that actually our team came up with to support in the marketing of the challenge. But it received over 2,000 entries from individuals <laughs> all over the globe. 2,000. And the 2,000 entries was actually record-breaking, believe it or not. But it was actually one of the most successful challenges that we ever hosted just for the pure purposes of the participation but if you get a chance to go on to our site, especially onto our YouTube site, there's a winner's webinar. So you can meet the winners and learn how they actually came to formulate their response. So you can follow their thought process. It's just so interesting as to, you know, how somebody sees one thing and what their vision is and the solutions that they present. I mean, there's just so many amazing ideas like that on the site. But yeah. That's fantastic. So then... Is your role to help, like you said, market the idea? You branded it the NASA Lunar Lou Project, I think is what you said. So <laughs> right. is that part of what HeroX does, as well as obviously trying to connect the 3 billion folks that are connected on this planet to come up with ideas that you're trying to support a lot of these clients, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. when they're coming on that you're trying to promote this? Is that a part of the job? That's a really great point. And as it's really evident to this point that you would, at this stage, one of the biggest points of importance to ensure the success of a project is the marketing of it. And some crowdsourcing platforms may focus on the crowd that already exists within their platform. Our approach is very different. So we work with our clients to build the crowd that they need. Mm -hmm. So in fact, over 80% of our competitors, particularly those on technical challenges, are brand new to the HeroX platform. So firstly, I should mention that each of our projects has its very own custom URL. So when you share the details about your project, you simply share the link and invite innovators to register to compete. You can also simply follow the challenge. So even if you don't want to compete, but you're curious, you can click follow and you'll get the updates. But how we actually find the crowd to your question, we take a three-prong approach. So we invite our clients to share the link out to their existing following. So that could be on their LinkedIn, their Facebook, maybe their Twitter account, or it might quite simply be an email list. 
Secondly, our community is not behind a paywall. So our existing community of over 190,000 innovators, who we actually like to lovingly refer to them as heroes and not innovators, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. will also see that your challenge and have an opportunity to self-select competing in your challenge. And lastly, to your point, if our clients elect, we can certainly lean in and offer some additional marketing support. And the marketing support is typically through social media posts, some PR, and we're always looking for new and innovative ways to actually deliver the service, to actually build the crowd for our clients. I mean, this is an area where we actually excel, but it's an area that we want to continue to excel. So we want to make sure that we stay on top of any new approaches and ideas. Our team is continually brainstorming on new tactics to actually build crowd. And you know what that might look like, for example, like maybe there's a greater emphasis on video consumption. Maybe there is a certain geographic area that one of our clients wants to target. And within that geographic location, there's a social media platform only specific to that geography. So maybe that's an area that we might want to dig into. You know, I'd also offer that when you maybe digress a little bit, but it's related, that when you look at the future of work, you look and see the whole idea of nine to five and going into the office is really fast falling out of favor. And in fact, I'd offer that the pandemic probably has really fueled this and moved it forward with even more velocity. I mean, there's many aspects of the future of work from the shift for what's required for labor, for example, just based on what's happened with the pandemic to the rise of artificial intelligence and machine learning, et cetera. The workplace post-pandemic is very different which I'm sure like most of our listeners experience that on a daily basis. But when the whole idea of work from home or a hybrid home and office environment, in fact, some individuals are leaving their occupations. I know I know personally Mm -hmm. a few Mm -hmm. leaning into those areas that they're passionate about. They've kind of given up on the whole idea of, you know, going after the almighty dollar and they want to do something that's just more attached to their passions. So All of that relates back to really fueling the hero's opportunity to really build that crowd out. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, you know, for myself, I own an agency, Ballistic Arts. It's been around 20 years. And for the first 17, 19, 18-ish years of the business, it was all working in the studio. And now I got team members that are, I literally have a team member right now in Cyprus and he's working there. And he's working PST time. You know, he's young and fancy free. I'll take, I'll give him that. <laughs> He'll work PST time and he's going to a wedding or something this weekend and it's totally fine. And they all seem to like to do that. And I think it provides this level of freedom that allows them to work at their best at their time. One of my UX designers, you know, no one's working from the office. Everyone's working from mm-hmm. home. And she actually said, you know, I love the fact that I can kind of wear whatever I want to wear. I don't have to worry about that. I got my own mug. The fact is no one's touching my mug. I did not know that that's a big thing, but like, Hey, that's, that's a big deal. Now, if we were to circle back to, I think you called them innovators, your heroes, right? Mm -hmm. You got 190,000 of them plus, plus that's on there. Where do you see the most opportunity to grow this democratization of ideas, as you called it? Because You have, obviously, we're North American-based. A lot of tech companies come from the West Coast, Silicon Valley. Are you seeing folks from Africa, from, you know, the Far East, or from, you know, different remote areas that you would not typically think of 
when you think of tech innovation? Are you seeing that? Mm -hmm. And if so, is there a particular area that surprised you? Our crowd is completely global. So the specific breakdown of geographic, it's not in front of me, but we're most heavily weighted, to your point, in North America. So Canada and the U.S. is where a good percentage of our innovators come from. But we have a huge percentage, actually, that come from the MENA area. So, mm. you know, Southeast Asia, India, Bangladesh, you know, all of these areas where, like I had initially mentioned, so long as they have connectivity, they have the ability to be able to compete. We're a completely bricks and mortar free organization. We do not have a physical office. We're 100% virtual. Our team is all over the globe and as are our innovators. And I would invite you to keep in mind too, like this is, I'm speaking specifically to Heroax, but when you look at open innovation and crowdsourcing, when there's multiple other platforms that are out there, some of them will be more heavily weighted in Europe for their community. Some may be more heavily weighted in other geographic areas. It really just depends on oftentimes like the type of projects that you have or, you know, where the company itself is physically located. These are all just some of the criteria that really drive the distinction of, you know, what your geographic makeup of your community really looks like. Not sure if you can share any of this information. I want to ask anyways that how does it work with the patents and stuff like that? So let's talk about this beer challenge or the NASA Lunar Lou. So I'm NASA, I put out a prize, a bunch of teams compete, and then we give a prize to the winner. What happens with the patent and how do we take it to market? Is it like you're almost a consultant that gets awarded this prize and then all the IP retains with the company? Or can you touch upon that? And then how do they go to market? Well, that's an excellent question. And believe it or not, that's usually the most commonly asked question when we connect through with our potential clients. So it's really customized to the individual client's needs. I had spoken to marketing being one of the key areas that are really important in the success of a challenge. The other element, which is really critical, is the design of the challenge. So the way you articulate and you explain and you take your challenge out to the crowd And within that challenge design, you basically indicate what the intellectual property looks like. So is it going to be shared? Is it going to be, you know, completely taken by the client? Is it going to be open source? What does that look like? So we have four templates that we have that are basic that our clients can utilize and self-populate. But I'm sure you can appreciate some of our larger brands usually take it in-house to their big group of lawyers and they usually like create something custom. So that's a long answer, but the short answer is you can customize that for whatever your needs are. And typically if you, as the challenge owner or sponsor, if you want to keep intellectual property, typically you're paying a little bit more for prize money. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all relative. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, and then what happens when the solution has been awarded, has been found? Now, is it on them to go to market and market this particular solution? Is there an assistance from HeroX? How does that work? Once the actual challenge has been solved for, and it's solved based on what they like themselves self-selected as the solution, like it's solved when this occurs. So once they have that solution in hand, then the crowdsourcing experience is complete. Mm-hmm. So at that stage, you know, other than us circling back, which we always do to find out what their experience of us was, of the platform, so we can continue to improve what our client's experience of us is. But beyond that, they then take the ideas in-house and they run with it. So again, whatever they decide that solution and how that makeup of that solution was going to look like. So perhaps the innovator that one you know, comes in-house and works with them for three months. Maybe they custom designed it to be that. Maybe they just take the idea and say, thank you very much. Our R&D teams are going to run with it. Mm. But once the solution is achieved, then beyond that point, the, the crowdsourcing experience is complete. Let me ask you this question. I'm going to pivot the conversation back a little towards Cal. So, you know, I've been pretty lucky in my life, in my career. I started my agency in the room above my parents' garage. And mm-hmm. I kind of grew it from there, you know, 20 years in, not quite 25, but 20 years in. It's still two decades. It was, I'm a child of the 80s, you know, and all that. But I haven't really worked in the corporate world. I pursued my passion pretty early on, but there's a lot of our listeners. And I get these comments a lot of the times, questions that people ask me, well, Ted, you know, not everyone's as lucky as you to have been able to start right off the go, right out of college, university. Tell us about how you made the pivot, because I mean, you were in the financial, like it's a very different world, right? Than what you're doing today, yet you were able to pivot, you were able to pursue your passion and you're really affecting change around the world. So if you could share to our audience, what tips you might have on how someone might pivot from that corporate nine to five gig to doing something a little bit more aligned with her passion? So I guess maybe I'll answer that question a little bit differently. 
think regardless of whether it's nine to five or perhaps if it's work from home with joggers all day, whatever the ideal work experience is for you, the foundational place to start is to follow your passion. And that is quite literally what I tell all the young people in my life. I tell my son that. I tell all my nieces and nephews that. Don't follow the money. Follow your passion. And the money will naturally come. So when individuals find themselves stuck in a situation where they're in a role or within an organization that really doesn't align to their insides, which is where I started our conversation, is, you know, you want to find an organization where you can contribute to their company culture and you can participate in a culture that really aligns with your insides. That's the first place to start. So you have the passion of where you want to go towards. Once you find that, then you want to move towards an organization that really aligns their company culture and core values to who you are. The combination of both those things is intoxicating. It's remarkable. I mean, you're a child of the 80s. Oh, I'm so going to time date myself here. I am <laughs> of the 70s. I am 51 years old, a few weeks away from Blessed 52. Every year is a gift. And I have never worked as hard as I do today. And I would say that if you cannot, our listeners can't find what that passion is, mm-hmm. the job to be done is to find what that passion is, whatever that may look like. And maybe you have to step back and maybe you have to co-create that with somebody. Maybe you create it for yourself, just like you did. Well, yeah. I mean, I did a little exploring a few years back when you know times were a little bit tougher than they are today. And I think that's when the crucible, right? That's when character is made. And we were pretty lucky for the first decade and a bit of the business where it was pretty smooth sailing. And then you know, gosh, there was like about 14 months there where it was just like, oh, everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. I sought some professional consultation and, and mm-hmm. chatted with them. And I discovered ultimately it was two things. I didn't want to work for anybody. That was flat. Like I needed that freedom. And the second thing was to do something creative, to contribute mm-hmm. to the world that way. And that was for me. But it wasn't something that I was born with. It wasn't something that I you know, had tattooed on my forehead or I wrote down. It was just something that I kind of slowly pursued. Mm-hmm. And so is that your experience too, that it was kind of like a little by a little journey. that I like this. It's a journey, right? It's it a little a journey, bit more. Right? I mean, oftentimes, and just like you're asking, like, how did you get here? And I always say to everybody, all roads led to Hero X. That's what happened. I mean, I was at Standard Life and I was a sales manager for Western Canada for their inside wholesaling team for mutual funds. And from flying to Montreal every six weeks to having an office in Calgary and flying every week, it was just draining on my personal life. And there was just a lot there that wasn't working. So, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. So I joined a small boutique tax and estate planning firm. And the funny thing about that is from the time that I joined to the time that I left, The owner and founder, Rob, said, you know, you've effectively worked yourself out of a job, Cal. Like you've helped us do so well with our sales and our productivity that I quite frankly do not want to grow the business anymore. I want to really spend time with the kids and with the family. I'm done with planes and trains and automobiles. I'm so done. I'll take care of you for about three months, but you're going to have to sort yourself out. And he was a part of a business coaching And I believe it was either A360 or it was Strategic Coach out of Toronto. You told me in the prequel, I think it was Strategic Coach. I know your founder, Christian, 
Christian, that's right. Actually, he and mentored me. And he's the one that he? recommended me to Strategic Coach. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So they knew each other from there. So Rob had a conversation. He said, like, well, you know what? There's a guy that I know who recently started an internet startup. And you should really talk to him because with everything that he's telling me in this coaching, that everything that he's lacking, your like unique ability can absolutely support him with. So Rob nicely pup-up-hunted me noon on a Thursday. And then Friday morning at 9 a.m., I spoke with Christian, Christian Caraccini, one of our co-founders. And in that conversation, I mean, I am not a techie. When I told my family that, you know, this is what I'm going to be doing, they were laughing at me. You can't even set up your headset, Cal. And you're going to be a part of a tech company. Good luck to you. So I didn't fully understand it. I understood it a little bit. But what I did know from what he explained, the whole idea of innovators and people being able to compete and no credentials, instantly, that was like, okay, I don't know what it is that these guys do, but I can sort myself out. But man, I want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. If I can help people, if I had the abundance of money, I'm telling you, I would spread it everywhere. What's the point in living your life if though there are people around you that are not well, you know, healthy or happy or taken care of? You want everybody to rise together, but I don't have that much money. So instead of that, to be able to teach people how to fish mm-hmm. and give everybody the same opportunity. And when he was speaking and explaining what crowdsourcing is in that first conversation at Cafe Artigiano in Carisdale, I'll never nice. forget that. I pulled from that and I remember my husband actually drove me there because we had to do a couple of other things. And I remember I walked into the car and he's like, well, I'm like, dude, I still don't know exactly what they do, but this is for me. It just feels right. Isn't that the thing? Sometimes I know in our culture, we're trying to say ignore feelings or whatever, but I actually have used feelings as my guide, Mm -hmm. right? That's Mm -hmm. where I've done the Colby personality test or whatever that thing is. And all those things I've always said, I, of all people, I got to listen to my gut. Yes. And a lot of the times it's like that. And I would say to our audience members, those who are looking to do something else, not really aligned with where they're at right now, but they're like, oh, I don't know where my passion lies. I say, go with your gut. Mm-hmm. That would be the advice I give. It's like falling in love. You're not going to know Perfectly said. until that happens. Yeah. And then when it does, you just know and you go like, screw it. Whatever you're else you're doing, drop it, do that. You know, it's, I would, and I love that analogy because I oftentimes have a similar analogy for when you're with the right team, it feels like a marriage. It doesn't mean you're happy all day, every day, but you're happy in your marriage. So you should always be happy where you're at. Maybe not all day, every day, there's ups and downs, quite mm-hmm. simply. Mm-hmm. But if you put that much thought and heart into selecting, where you are going to spend more time of your day than you actually do your family, then you better make sure that it's meaningful. It drives you. And if you find something that you're so passionate about, I've seen people that were on the verge of being like, let go, et cetera. But, you know, with the right coaching, compelling what their unique abilities and what they love to do out of them, and they're rock stars now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're in the right environment, you can't help but really just accelerate the best version of yourself in a company culture that's a strong company culture. It will 
But when I wake up every day, my job once, oh, it's run the company, it's do this. No, my job when I wake up every day is to come into this office and have a conversation with my team, whomever they meet, and inspire. How do I inspire individuals that I work alongside? How do I inspire? How do I compel their leadership out of them? That's what my job is, is to compel their leadership and to bring on team members that are actually smarter than I am and bring out the best in them. And when you have that, you're uh, almost like a family and you're bound together with a mission that aligns with each and every one of you. And the trajectory of any organization that's within that is just amazing. It is amazing. You know what? I think that's where you and I really got on in our initial pre-call is that we are folks that have been lucky enough, privileged enough to be able to chase these dreams and pursue them. So good on you for that. I think what we should do is pivot to our rapid fire round and ask a few personal questions about who Cal is and, you know, maybe get to know you a little bit better. So do I get to fire them back just for fun? You can if you want to, <laughs> but I don't think I'm going to have as interesting responses, but let's start off with a favorite toy as a child. Ooh, Legos. Legos. I loved Legos. Maybe it's because my parents always bought them for us. I don't know. But yeah, I'd sit for hours and I'd build. And oddly enough, when my nephews were born and they were little, we would play Legos together and it was just a thing. So yeah. My last guest that I had recently was with this fellow by the name of Baba Ajayi and he's out of Toronto. Okay. He has a startup called Andy and he talks about, you know, culture and team building and he buys mm. these Lego sets. Mm. for his team members and they collaborate and then they share about a memory from their childhood, but they have to build it through this Lego experience. And I told them I'm probably going to steal it at my next company (laughs) event, right? Book that changed how you think about business or marketing. You know, I would probably say the hard thing about hard things. The hard thing about hard hard things. It's written by Ben Horowitz. All right, so you got the book out though. What the, the hard things about, about hard things? Hard I gotta, I've never heard things. this. Yeah, it's by Ben Horowitz. And mm-hmm. part of it actually feels a little bit like a memoir almost. So he founded um, Andreessen Horowitz, which is shortened as A16Z, which is a VC firm mm. out of the States. So they're venture capitalists. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're remarkable with some of the stuff they do, very innovative with the places that they invest. But the story is pretty amazing because part of it feels like a memoir. But especially closer to the end there, he really talks about the how-to. I was in a situation like blank, and this is what I decided to do. But I did it. But even when I did it, I wasn't sure if I should have done it. But I did it anyway. So it's kind of like he lets you into his thought process. So when you're in a role such as my role, I'm not saying it's the most important role in the company by far, but when there's nowhere to turn and look, you know, where the buck stops with you, oftentimes it can be a little lonely because you're like, who do you talk this stuff out with? But when I read that book, it almost felt like he was talking to me. So it's like all the stuff I wasn't almost sure about at times in his journey, it made it all make sense for me that I'm not crazy. Okay, maybe I am a bit crazy, but in a good way. I'm not that Leaders are all a little bit off. A little bit, a little bit, but that was amazing. And the other really cool thing about this book is he talks about 
the CEO in a third person, but he refers to the CEO as a she. So when the CEO needs to do this, she should consider this. As a CEO, she should do this. So it's odd how just that one word shifting from she to he, how much more relatable it felt for me. And I was actually personally surprised by that. So I love that book for, for what I got out of it. It was just really well written. That's in my Audible right now. I'm going to be downloading this next. So given it summer, what's the best thing to do on a hot summer's night? I love what I do. It's what I do all the time. But you know, what I love the most about the summer is sitting outside. I grew up on a farm. So the outdoors for me, there is something about it that soothes my insides. So the smell of dirt when it's been tilled and weeding my yard, people think, oh my God, you're weeding your yard. You find that relaxing. Yeah. Cause you're close to the earth and you can just smell it. And it's just something about it. So there's something soothing. And then when it's all done, when you sit on your deck and you look at this beautiful greenery around you with a perfect, pristine glass of wine, Mm-hmm. And maybe listening to a little bit of lounge music in the background with the love of your life. That's like the picture perfect way to enjoy a summer evening. That ain't so bad. That ain't so shabby. What's the last charity that you supported financially and or with your time and why? There's one called the Sunshine. I'm going to probably mispronounce it, but I think it's the Sunshine Group. But it's for young kids that have disabilities supporting them and traveling to like Disneyland, et cetera, et cetera. So this kind of thing. So that was the last one I was like physically, like I've actually presented at that one, but I contribute actually every week. So we started our conversation in part way at the very beginning. I said to you, how is it that people are still hungry? It's wrong. So every single week when I go to the grocery store, there's pre-made bags for what the food shelter needs. And I buy one every single week. And I give it to the food bank. That's what I do. That's my thing. And even if I'm not going to that particular grocery store and I've gone elsewhere for whatever reason, I will still make a point of stopping there and still buying that bag and putting it into the food bank thing. That's my thing. That's fantastic. All right. So I think we're full circle to where we started in the conversation. Where can we find more about HeroX? Anything that you want to plug? What do we do here? anything I want to plug. Well, it's easy to find like what we do. So what I would say to our listeners is if you're intrigued by anything that I shared today, go on to HeroX.com and take a look. If you're interested in launching a challenge, check out the challenges that are currently live for inspiration and then simply reach out. You can reach me personally at cal at HeroX.com. I answer all my own emails. But if you're interested in competing in a challenge, again, just go onto the site, get registered and cruise through all of our live challenges and see, is there a challenge that really speaks to your unique ability? Do you want to self-select competing in a challenge and have a bit of fun? So, you know, just go onto the site. I'll offer one thing that at HeroX, we're a team that believes that everything is possible. So, you know, you talked about my first title when I was at HeroX was VP of possibilities. We don't like the word sales. We're about creating possibilities. So, We believe that everything is possible. We're out to make a difference. One open innovation challenge, one crowdsourcing challenge, one crowdsourcing project at a time, and one innovator at a time. That was beautiful. 
Well, hey, Cal, thank you very much for your time. And everyone, yes, do check out HeroX.com to find out how you can be a hero for tomorrow. So thanks, everybody, for a great episode of Marketing News Canada. I'm Ted Lau, and this is Cal Sahota, and we're signing off. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.